Got a friend, you may know his name, he paints pictures, and lately they're beginning to trend, so politically incorrect, that's why we love him to death. Another pal named Anomaly, knows the same guy from the memes posted on IG, a collaboration was revealed to me. So maybe we can help and get the people to see Made by Jimbo Made by Jimbo Made by, made by Jimbo Made by, made by Jimbo In one take, it's like a sketch to me. <laughs> Trevor hit me with the track, told me give a little rap. So I got a pencil and a pad, so naturally, actually, I make an illustration like Jim Bob with the improv. No limbs lost in the meme war, just anomaly Jim Bob in free form. Hey, what you looking at me for? Liberal left, what you being mean for? I'm so cool, calm and collected. It's so true, gospel detected. You claim the US a fascist regime, but then you wanna take the guns from the street. I don't get the logic, y'all are out of pocket Y'all need hooked on phonics, lead like Hugo Chavez Y'all are broken godless, I'ma win regardless We the best and I don't need to check with Colin Made by This Trevor Wesley and Anomaly Yeah, we the best Who's it made by? All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Beacon Podcast. I'm your host, Joseph Ornelas, and today we have a very special guest by the name of Jim Bob, the one and only. Jim Bob, welcome to the show. Good to have you, man. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, man. So, uh, I know we were talking a little bit earlier, but I said I'm a recent follower of your work, big fan. I think your cartoons are hilarious. Um, Thank you. <laughs> hilarious. Hilarious. Um, but yeah, go ahead and give the people an intro or background to yourself. For those that don't know you. Um, I, um, again, my name is Jim Bob and, uh, I, uh, you know, I grew up in upstate New York, not quite upstate, like, uh, Catskill mountains moved out to, uh, California in my early twenties, uh, did the California thing, you know, relativism, hedonism, drugs, <laughs> partying, I'm going to be famous, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, you know, I was floating around in the, the, leftist sort of democrat so everything's relative man um <laughs> and then uh you know 15 years there you know i uh i uh i met someone and then we we got pregnant and uh, i think it was pretty much the uh having a child opened my eyes to like wait something has to be more grounded here i'm kind of floating around and so that was the opening to my my new paradigm shift uh, was there in California and I started rejecting and criticizing other dumb ideas that I never really put any uh, criticism into. And then um, I moved away. So we went to Colorado uh, where we are still now uh, here now. And I have uh, two kids now. And since then, since the move, you know, I started my cartooning. Uh, I do satirical cartoons now before I was just doing cute cartoons just very subtle, superficial commentary, uh, not provocative. Uh, I did one that, that 
put me on the map. It was a, uh, a um, Game of Thrones meme that went super famous and viral. It was shared by so many people. Okay. And that was like my first meme. So I was like, oh, there's something to this memeing thing. Hmm. Um, but I had nothing to say at that point. And uh, as I discovered philosophy and logic, that actually um, appropriately put me back on the path toward uh, Christianity and theism in general. And um, I never thought it would be out of anything logic. You know, you mm-hmm. don't really usually hear about some really spiritual moment or something. Uh, it was actually just pure logic and philosophy that I started questioning atheism, but more generally uh, relativism and um, nihilism, uh, all that stuff. And uh, so it only enhanced my ability to do my work, which is using satire, uh, reduced views, appeals to um, absurdity, um, to really just reveal philosophical under underpinnings of common culture assumptions. Very cool. Awesome. And then, yeah, that's very evident in your work. It, it says so much by saying so little and everyone gets it. And like you said, the power of memes, there's something in these memes and it's really this very short ability or form of storytelling. Right. Storytelling, if I mean, that's been the longest form of educating people since the dawn of time. When we look at Jesus and the way he spoke to people, it's always through parables, like these riddles or these stories. And we learn a lot from that. And we still, I mean, today we read books, we watch movies, all these different stories that impact us in a way that, you know, we talked about this a little bit earlier where we see these arguments of people just, well, facts versus facts. And right. well, my, here's my stat. Well, here's my stat. Well, this is my stat. And it's like, it gets nowhere because no one's really saying anything. It's like, okay, well, you're just, just out of, you're throwing these numbers and these quote unquote facts that are supposed to determine everything. And right. if we just lived in this world of just strict, like, quote unquote, quote unquote logic. Yeah. That, that would, that would reign supreme, but it doesn't. And so there's a reason for me, I can't articulate exactly why, but something compels me to believe there's a reason behind that. And there's there's something more to it. Um, But you you mentioned um, the fact that when you became a father, it's caused you to start questioning some things. What were some of the specific things you started to question and started to see differently? Well, just atheism in general, um, you know, me being a relativist and sort of like a hedonist and just really everything, everything's nothing, man. Um, that's not something I can teach my kid. I can't teach them uh, everything's nothing and they're nothing and they come from a rock and they're no different than a banana. And, you know, uh, as you know, as you know, some of the, the whole, the four horsemen say, you know, like uh, Christopher Hitchens would be like, you know, you know, life is essentially meaningless and the great Andromeda is coming to get you nothing. And then, and then you get the Dawkins who's just like, oh, there's, there's nothing. Pitiless, meaningless life. And it's like, I'm not going to teach my kids that. Uh, yeah. I don't believe that. And I'm, it's self-refuting. Like, uh, mm-hmm. so a lot of those people I followed who I, you know, quote, or I follow Sam Harris, I realized that if I use strict logic, um, because I wanted to question those things, and I realized that the way to question was logic. And uh, I found out that all of those views and all of those people were contradictory constantly. They were constantly saying self-refuting claims, self-refuting things, things that um, just turn their whole worldview upside down. And I was like, that's nonsense. And, uh, Mm -hmm. And when you have a kid, you realize what you, you realize what you believe 
when you're compelled or in a position to teach it to someone else and that's fatherhood. Mm -hmm. So you're confronted with everything you thought you believed. And then you ask yourself, am I willing to teach my own offspring this? Mm -hmm. And I believe that's a pretty good arbiter. Um, Not, it's not an arbiter for the truth because some people will feel like I'm not willing to teach uh, religion to a kid, Mm -hmm. but it's a good, uh, at least, um, sort of a starting point to question what you actually do believe, um, whether it's true or not, is to ask, am I willing to teach this with confidence to my kid? And so that's where uh, that all opened up. And, and, you know, like having a child, that's pretty much a, if there's any moment aside from a miracle that, um, you know, uh, suspends laws of physics and everything we know about reality, child is probably the closest thing to a miracle that we can conceive of um, Mm -hmm. you know figuratively and literally we're just like it's just awe Um, so yeah so you you know from from there you know once you use once I use logic to pursue truth it just it makes you a philosopher Uh, if you just practice logic it you inevitably become a philosopher you just start philosophizing because that's the natural you know what I mean? Like if right. logic are the wheels, like philosopher is the, the path or philosophy is the path. And uh, once those are going, there's no, you can't not be a, a thinker like, right. uh, you know, and we just don't teach. I think a big problem in our culture is we don't teach a lot. We don't teach philosophy and logic in that mm-hmm. respect, in a paradigmatic level. Um, because what you were saying about facts against facts. Well, when people argue facts against facts, there's a reason they're arguing that position. And so, a lot of times that's just assumed, but really uh, to argue facts against facts means there's a truth, first of all. Mm-hmm. Second of all, there's an assumption that we ought to get to the truth. And then thirdly, there's an assumption that if we get to the truth, then we'll go towards some direction that we should go to- toward. Mm-hmm. So it's a moral claim in a way. Every time you're arguing right. facts against facts, there's an underlying philosophical worldview and and uh, it's all, it ends up all being grounded metaphysically. And if it's not, then it's nonsense. It's just illusory. So there's, right. there's really no other choices about it. Um, so, uh, you know, that's what I like to get people and myself thinking about, because I think it was lost perhaps back in the enlightenment when, when those thinkers took us off of justifying logic, reasoning, uh, you know, the regularity in nature, all of these things that we assume are true, that we are required to, to appeal to, to, to even think or experience. They just kind of started from an ad hoc position of like, no, we just have those. It just is, right. you know, we don't mm-hmm. have to answer that anymore. And that actually took us away from uh, the philosophy of, of theism and, and God and, and why these things are, do unite and, uh, make sense coherently of uh, the unity between all of these things that we take for granted, take as freebies. Mm -hmm. And so I believe that uh, because of the um, long-standing push toward materialism and empiricism as the God, we're now running up against the problems of that. And a lot more people are looking toward the new, the transcendentals looking toward, you know, what is grounding any of this? Why, if it's all relative, why are we even arguing uh, that Bill uh, Gates shouldn't um, 
get rid of 2 billion people? Like on what basis? You know what right. I mean? You can't exactly. even defend it. Mm-hmm. So, and then ironically, the, the left, you know, I don't like to reduce to left because I now operate in paradigms beyond the, that false binary, but that right. doesn't mean there isn't a left and a right. There really is. Um, mm-hmm. But they push materialism, scientism, you know, God, science is the God, uh, stats and data are the God, AI is the God, you know, basically worship the creation. Um, it's interesting that the even the claim we ought to follow that is still a moral claim it's still a moral claim and it's Mm -hmm. not based so uh i think all of this stuff is so important in what what everyone does uh, as human beings because inevitably none of us get away from making metaphysical claims we just can't get away from it even the atheists constantly making metaphysical claims yeah absolutely even just a claim i hear a lot of atheists make that science will eventually prove everything like you, you, not scientifically provable. It's not, it's not, you can't scientifically prove that. That's not, that's not logical. You're just, yeah. I, I think I actually heard you, uh, you and Jay Dyer talk about this on your mm-hmm. episode with him on YouTube, which I came to know Jay Dyer from your ep- recent episode. With oh, him. great. Great. I've yeah. been really diving into his videos. I really love oh, that. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to try yeah. to get him on the show, but, um, oh, he, he will. Yeah. He loves getting on, on people's shows. Yeah. Brilliant guy. And I've really enjoyed your conversations and I, um, is you someone kind of recently diving into philosophy pretty heavily, it's been really cool to see you and Jay and that sort of, I guess, teacher student relationship and yeah. that happened in real time and seeing you kind of develop your thinking and philosophy as well. Yeah. But you, as you mentioned, um, you know, it's, it's sad that we no longer teach philosophy and thinking. And that's a problem I see in the, of the world around us is people just don't know how to think. Right. And they don't know even the basis of an argument. And I'm, I'll, I'll admit too, I don't really, I'm not a great argument <laughs> debater. Or I'm not mm-hmm. someone trained in a uh, philosophical argument, but it's something I actually do want to learn as well um, to just educate myself and be better at not only questioning everything around me, but questioning the narratives within my own mind and right. my own th- line of thinking. Because eventually we just fall into, like you said, with relativism, I've seen that that was kind of what prompted me to really start paying more attention to philosophy and really figuring out what do I believe and what do I think? Because we live in a world where everything is told us is told to us that it's relative, and we're all just going to be singing kumbaya, holding hands together, and everything's going to be great. Mm-hmm. Well, here we are now, and people are burning down buildings and destroying businesses, and it's coming into it's a personally affecting people in their everyday lives. Right, and we're starting to quickly realize that not everyone's going to be holding hands singing kumbaya. It's actually no. actually severe consequences to this, and there's ideologies competing against one another. And right. there is this, like you said, there is this the pe- people, when they state their facts, there is this moral claim, this oughts claim that we should do this. We should head towards this. We should believe this. We should act in this way. And that's a, if your idea is like, well, we should allow pedophiles to just express their sexuality and it's okay. And if a, some 50 year old man wants to sleep with my six year old daughter, it's okay. No, now, no, no, no. Now we can't hold hands in Kumbaya because I'm fiercely against right. <laughs> what you're proposing. And right. there's no way in hell I'm going to allow that to the point that I would be willing to give my own life right, or exact horrible violence on somebody in order to protect right. that. Yeah. And, it's, a, it's also this relativism uh, spawns atomization of thinking. Mm-hmm. And then that spawns uh, a splintering of cohesion um, in, in, in real world, not just thinking it, it right. translates into the world. And, 
Um, and then you add the sort of, you know, the free market, the, the, you know, capitalism without morality will lead to the same atomization in real time. Mm -hmm. So anything that's uh, available or anything that, you know, uh, you know, soothes the market, right. That, that, that meets a need, then that's perfectly fine. Right. Right. It's just meeting a need, you know, and that's how you see the splintering, all these kinks and weird shit and weird behavior and, and all this stuff that, um, without a basis for morality that grounds people and in, in a way that teaching that foundation transcends law itself, it becomes culturally law. Mm-hmm. And I always argue for cultural law uh, as something that precedes, uh, you know, government law. Right. You can't, you can't legislate morality, uh, but more, if you teach morality and you teach a cohesive, uh, coherent foundation for morality and why we're here on earth uh in a way you'll need less law which i find interesting with the you know my little stunt in libertarianism and what i still find in that uh since abandoning that what i still find exists is uh you know the irony of uh, wanting a freer mark a freer market right and a and a less intrusive government but at the same time allowing for moral relativism hedonism and all this stuff it's it's the two are inter intertwined you know right. the more discipline and the more decency a culture has the less government needs to step in and be the parent mm-hmm. um so leftism and libertarianism and anarchist anarchism and, and such um usually are are paired um with a an atheist naturalistic view of the world where they right. try to base moral law in nature which is absolutely silly because um i should be able to uh rape anyone in a in the ocean right who's swimming because i'm just <laughs> pretending to be a dolphin you know and i'll just do that you know <laughs> <And> so <laughs> you know the things that we see in nature are definitely not the basis for how we ought to behave or what justifies behavior it's it's absolutely silly uh, there's so much in nature that if anything shows that we're not that we're not fully the nature we are more than that you know we our our minds and our concepts transcend the material right and we live off of those things so um yeah that's an interesting the whole view of that the relativism it's all kind of linked together with again it's all can be reduced to worldviews that's why worldviews and as you said philosophy is is so important that seeking coherency on a, on a cumulative le- level, like on a wide level where everything, right. the best thing you can do is make everything connect. And, uh, you know, what's ironic is the atheist materialist scientism sect wants to make everything connect to make mm-hmm. sense, right? That's right. their whole passion is to make sense of the world. Well, if the world is in flux and it's always changing and nothing really means anything and ultimately there's no good or evil or nothing, there's no real order. It's all an illusion. Mm-hmm. What are you trying to recreate? What are you what are you trying to prove exists if it's all just random and uh it's not given by a mind? There's no real intent or order to it. It sounds absolutely absurd. I always argue if you're an atheist, I won't even ask you to consider like forget trying to convert you. Um if you're a scientist or an engineer, my argument even pragmatically that is that if you look at the world and the things you're studying from a design perspective, 
and you're an engineer, mm -hmm. you'll actually uh, learn more. Just yeah. making the assumption, even if you don't believe that's true. Right. So like, it's a design, I want to replicate this thing, right? So if you want to replicate something and you look at it from an engineer perspective, it makes total sense to just assume it's been designed, even if you're not going to abide by that overall belief. Right. I think it makes more sense. I think taking that view will enrich your life and your studies. But, yeah. um, but again, that's a pragmatic view. I don't base much on, on pragmatism, but pragma it is useful, you know, right. but uh, yeah, that's an interesting thing that I, I think about uh, recently is that that little connection there uh, between order people seeking order. You know, I had a meme once that said uh, it was like one scientist, like, you know, finally we've figured out how to create life basically. And the other scientists, basically the joke was like, once we figure out how to create life, you're only proving that it's been created. Right. Yeah, a yeah. mind was there. I, I did see that one. Right. <laughs> you know, so it's like, and that really jars. I'm glad a lot of uh, atheists and materialists follow me still because they do enjoy the challenge. Right. Yeah. And I think that's, it's really useful and why I, I see the, the great utility in philosophy and being able to argue properly because there are people that I think aren't going to, come I don't want to say like you're going to convert over to Christianity or think the way I do but you're not going to be able to really I guess analyze the world properly unless we have people that can properly debate at a philosophical level or discuss things at that level and when that's lacking people that are more I guess cerebral like you said the kind of the engineers um, people the scientists they I think they do have a very more, a higher obviously IQ, I would say, and cerebral capacity the most do, and they need arguments explained at that level. Because if you're just going to make things like an, an emotional appeal or something like that, it's not, it's not really going to affect them the same way that it maybe would the average person. Yeah. And they're also, they're also utilitarians. They, they mm -hmm. want the practice in the reality. So justifying the laws of logic is not interesting because um, they're just like, wait, I just want to make an AI computer that <laughs> aggregates a bunch of internal documents and then releases into the world and calls it Q. I'm just like, you know, <laughs> you know, so they don't care. I like watch some of those people and I challenge them. Like there's a guy on, who went on Joe Rogan a couple of times named Lex Friedman. He's very, you know, orderly, nice guy, like just so invested in AI and, and the material and, uh, and computing and all this stuff. And I actually asked him, uh, like, what is his basis for, for morality? And, he was not even, he was partially stumped because it was a live stream and he was just like, I just go with what feels right, you know, in the, in the moment or mm -hmm. whatever. And I realized that there was nothing left to say because I, I really got this, the overall worldview of his operations, where people operate from. Mm -hmm. And if they're trying to make usefulness their goal, if, if the teleos is usefulness and pragmatism and um, real world application, then they're not going to get uh, in, they're not going to play with the philosophical metaphysicals that uh, must be assumed to even pr proceed in that direction. Like they, they don't care. They don't need to, they're like, I don't need to, it just is. So it's ad hoc. Right. I mean, you see these arguments over and over and you can't really argue someone who they agree laws of logic are the access point to truth. They, they agree that logic and math are related. They, agree that these things are necessary to make their cool things 
mm-hmm. their stuff, their technology, you know, make, make us live longer. All of the, all of the claims toward the good that they assume is the good. Um, but once you ask them to justify those things, they use ad hoc, which is against logic. You know, you're, you're right. using a fallacy and you're like, and then they, you know, like you said in the beginning, like they, they go, well, we don't really have the answers to, you know, what created the laws of logic or, but we eventually will. And it's like, no, you have to <laughs> appeal the logic to you to find to, you're just appealing to them being true to go find, you can't do that. You can't appeal to logic to prove logic. You can't appeal to language to prove or disprove language and so forth. These circular right. trapped systems is something that, uh, you know, something good, uh, Kurt Gödel. I don't know if you're aware of him, but he created the, he discovered this, the, um, the uh, incompleteness theorem, which essentially, you know, it's a deeper issue uh, that he revealed in mathematics specifically, but mm. it does apply to uh, philosophy because, um, you know, we use logic and basically the, the theorem states in, in a paraphrased way that, all systems become circular and you have to appeal outside of them. So mm-hmm. everything that we use, even language is a one-to-one circularity. If we say, what is the color orange? The color orange is the color orange, you right. know, like it has to be circular. One has to be one. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's not, then three can't be three because one is no longer one and it has this massive effect on uh, logic. Mm-hmm. Um, so once he revealed that, I think, that really puts an end to a lot of theories and things that are still even today being proposed, like the theory of everything. Always someone's trying to do this theory of everythingness, right? Or, or like uh, the, you know, we're going to, it's simulation, dude. It's a simulation or it's a metaverse based on the, the fact, the mathematical theorem mm-hmm. that we ha- have to accept as truth because it's based in, in logic um, that all, systems need to appeal outside of themselves eventually you can't even state that uh there's a theory of everything because you'd have to use the system that you're in everything to make the claim and you can't stand outside of it and say oh yeah that's the theory of everything we saw it you know we saw Mm -hmm. it you guys it's it's here's the circle it's the theory of everything you have to be outside or else you're appealing to it right and the same thing with you know like uh what did i say a metaverse or anything else like simulation yeah i always go like okay let's say okay let's say we discovered another we discovered we're in a simulation right Mm -hmm. and they're like yes okay and i'm like we're standing outside of the simulation you're like yeah yeah and i'm like how do you know it's not a simulation of you standing outside of a simulation and it's endless regress right you can't ever stand outside and Mm -hmm. say this is the simulation right what's a problem with that in the metaverse and and then people say like well, what if there's another universe where the laws of logic don't appeal? And, and then it's so irrational because you would need the laws of logic and everything we know about discerning truth and apprehending reality. We would need those things to be strict in order to discern another universe. Right. So the moment we do that, by default, that universe is now a part of our universe because mm. otherwise we couldn't trust it. You right. just said the laws of logic there's some other universe where these things don't hold true. You would still need the laws of logic to prove that they don't hold true, which is self-refuting. And it just goes in the same position as saying uh, truth, you know, is not absolute. 
right. I'm still surprised at how many people even on my page will <laughs> try to argue that. And then they don't even see it. Like I, yeah. I try to give them time where they actually ref- see the ridiculousness of that. But mm-hmm. inevitably I have to type it out, you know, that's an absolute truth claim. <laughs> <laughs> it eventually gets to the point where you're just people's minds break and they just have to take another huge bong rip and just like, you know, right. Man. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, you see also see that some people are just not fully interested. I have this uh, habit of uh, assuming a good faith in arguments sure. and mm-hmm. assuming people actually want to get to the truth, you know, and once you use the very, cause once you use logic, that knife is so sharp that it's boring. It makes it boring for the person because they're like, why'd you ruin my f- cool theory of everything? And, you know, I had this like metaverse idea and it was so cool. And it was just like, it can't be. It just, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. You have to, and they're like, damn it. And it's boring because it's so simple. When you use logic, it's right. That's what people also uh, hate the people who do troll me. They're like, you oversimplify. And I'm like, Sorry, the truth is narrow. If it's close to the truth, it's like this. It's right. not like the truth is, no, it's wide. No, it's always strict and narrow. And so I've uh, recently taken on uh, narrowness from an insult. I take mm-hmm. it as a compliment now because people, you, you have a pretty narrow view. I'm like, yeah, the truth. Yeah. Truth is narrow. Okay, once you boil things down, there's only so many ways you can go. There is. Yeah, exactly. And exactly. Like you, <laughs> if we did have this, these infinite possibilities, like, people would have no direction in life. Right. Like imagine a world where you didn't even feel it was wrong for someone to harm you. Like what would that end up doing for you? Just from a practical standpoint, <laughs> like, it's like, ah, oh, some guy's stabbing me. I don't know if this is good or bad. Right. I guess I'll hope maybe sit around and figure it out. Right. <laughs> maybe my mind will change. <laughs> you pretty quickly realize, and this is like something we all agree on. If someone's attacking you, it's not a good thing. And right. Yeah. Just, yeah. The, the split is, uh, you know, determining whether it's a preferred thing or a immoral thing. And that's mm-hmm. where materialists like uh, Stefan Molyneux or, or a lot of these other people, um, you know, Sam Harris, they argue from a position of preferability is equal to morality and like what you prefer, but then it goes out the window. All you need to find is one instance where that's not true. And they're right. sadomasochists and people like that who like harm or they like harming other people. They prefer it. Right. And, uh, and that's, uh, so that's obviously not the basis of good. Um, and then the consequences that, uh, I usually try to make people deal with. I mean, I don't try to con like you said, you don't need to convince them to the other side. You have to show the absurdity of their view by right. taking their view and, following the logical end getting to the logical end Mm -hmm. and so um that's the best way to argue uh against that state against that basis like uh what's preferred you know is what's good you know right morally so then what's wrong with stockholm syndrome right yeah why why do we even need to classify that just right or Or why can't we uh or if like well-being is the basis for good, what's wrong with a future world where we're all connected to the Neuralink and it's, mm-hmm. there's also a stomach feeding tube or it's just nutrients. And we're basically in a state of, uh, you know, we're just in a comatose and, but we're experiencing like extreme ecstasy perpetually for the rest of our lives. Like yeah. 
mm-hmm. you if you entrap a, a newborn baby who never knew better, that under that worldview would be totally good. Yeah. Not just fine, like morally good. Morally good, right, exactly. Yeah. And same thing, like, there's no food. So right. at a certain age, we just kill people and we use, them as, right. we use their meat as food. Right. And we even see, we even see atheists like Richard Dawkins yeah, talk about people needing... <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing wrong with it. How could there be anything wrong with it? And then he goes and says, like, nah, yeah, yeah, putting fear into little children that they're going to go, go to some burning hell is just uh, yeah, deeply immoral. And you're like, what? <laughs> What's immoral? You don't even, what? <laughs> and then unfortunately you get like Joe Rogan, who's like stoned out of his mind. Who, he has no basis for law. He doesn't appeal to logic. He's just, he's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if I was that, that person, I'd just be like, Dawkins. On what basis is it immoral? Why right. is it immoral? I thought it's just, it's just a, pity, a pitiless little universe of nothing. <laughs> it's, just, it's just so stupid. Right. And the, <laughs> you said the self refutant all these arguments just become self refutant at a certain yeah. point. Yeah. It's like so immoral to teach someone a religion. Right. But not immoral to eat them. <laughs> right. <You know>? Well, <laughs> exactly. I'll, I'll take the odds. Like, well, we can debate that in front of people. Right. I'll, I, I have a pretty good chance or i believe that i'll win that argument or most people will agree with me that's almost a meme i should i mean he's not (laughs) super famous but i think on my page people know him enough where yeah i could see like one frame where he's saying that and then the next frame it's basically a replica of the goya picture is it goya (laughs) the company no no the old painter where the 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 dad is eating his son like it's this this famous (laughs) dark spanish painter who just like it's just like this flesh eating, like it's just him doing that to a baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right, so, uh, so for your cartoons, I know you kind of talked about you kind of started off small and kind of making just simple memes here and there. Um, what was the real inspiration for you? What drove you to start kind of taking more of a provocative approach? Um, well, I was still lingering in uh, leftism, Democrat leftism, and. Uh, I did a, cause I voted for Obama twice when I was in LA basically mm-hmm. um, just by default because uh, compliance is, has always been a currency. And um, I, I made fun of Obama. I, I drew a picture of him in his famous picture, dropping uh, the mic, right. Doing this, you know, yeah. you didn't make, you didn't make that. Um, and then uh, instead of the mic, I swapped it with a bomb and I just wrote this dude dropped, 26,791 bombs on seven Muslim countries. Oh, I didn't do that. We all did it. You didn't, you didn't build that. Um, and then uh, everybody attacked me. They're like, you're making him look bad. This is important. We have to have, you know, Trump is going to win if you keep pushing, if you keep you know, posting this. I'm like, I don't care. I voted for this dude. So I even feel like you should be more critical of the people you vote for, right. logically speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was doing that and I realized like, wow, there, if I see something true and uh, heretical, uh, hypocritical, paradoxical, I'm going to, I realized that that was my three, those were my realms. That's mm-hmm. where I was going to thrive. And if I could uh, deduce them, distill them to very concise, uh, very little words used um, pictures, and also do it with crude pictures specifically because that's another thing i talked about on another podcast where i'm actually 
I could, I'm a really good artist. I can draw, I can paint realism and, and do really like intricate stuff. But um, going with the, the tuning of just crudeness, you know, messy, thick lines, a little bit of shading, just like kind of out there. Um, once I started doing it that way, there was a moment where I was like, should I put more effort? But I made a choice. Not only is the contrast of a cutting truth uh, contrast with a messy picture, is like, I like that contrast. Um, but it was, it's also a big F you to the, the atheistic left dominant uh, art world. Who, mm. who, their impact is just, it's all just reinforcement of, of uh, progressivism and all this like equality bullshit. Mm-hmm. And I just love that I was able to rise the ranks so to speak in a certain niche um definitely not in the the mainstream um but uh it's you know it's a little bit of gloating which i shouldn't do but at the same time i'm like yeah like f off like i i can do this Mm -hmm. so you're mad that i can't like i'm not drawing well or like it's not undeserving and it's like that's that's not the art the art Mm -hmm. isn't the doodle that's the point Right. I, mean, I made fun of Sean King once and he commented on my page on his post. I think it was like, it was something like a picture of him. And it was like, if, if the race wars end, I'm out of a job or something like direct like that. And he, he wrote, I like your art, man. I just don't like the message. And it's just like so clear that mm-hmm. uh, you don't get that the message is the art. It's not the drawing at all. It's, right. the, me- it's the message and the content. Yeah, I completely agree. It's the art is the message behind it. And when the art, when art is compromised and it can no longer speak against a certain narrative or has to fit into the propaganda machine, that's a huge problem. And it, yeah, it's kind of, it's distasteful in my, from my perspective that you're just creating art because you're kind of jumping on this bandwagon. So like we're all making this pro Obama art. And none, none of it was critical. Like you look at the media, the way they treated him, everything was just harping on him. Like he just, he's just, he's a God among us. He's the best president that's ever lived. Don't look at anything he's actually done. Right. The fact that he dropped bombs on Middle Eastern countries doesn't matter. Even though we say we're against war and we don't want people to get bombed in Middle Eastern countries. Don't, don't worry about that. That's, it's all good. He's just great. Just focus on that. Just buy into the propaganda. Right. And the moment any dissenting voice comes around speaking against it, then you have to be shut down. And right. And you know, that's that's terrible on both sides. I I see this a bit. I see this on the right too, where you can't criticize Trump. Everything he does is miraculous, and he's the second, you know, the second yeah. coming of God. He's a true Messiah. You know, Jesus yeah, was the, the plan, real one. Yo. <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> trust the <And> man. <laughs> yeah, trust the man. Exactly. It's like you know, I I I really don't care about politics. I mean, I it's it sucks that it's so intertwined in everything in our culture today. I mean, you can't even watch a baseball game now without politics being involved. So, you I started paying attention to it just because I saw I couldn't get away from it. So the, when I started to see, a, especially twenty sixteen, like okay, this is so embedded in the culture now, and it's such a, like, it's, it's so divisive. Yeah. Like, where do I stand on this, and where do, where do I, you know, I'm not just a Republican or a Democrat. I really, I probably would have voted for JFK back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. He would have been been hated today. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The the Overton window would have shifted so much that Mm -hmm. someone from that era 
went into a coma and woke up today, they would have, they would probably just die immediately. <laughs> They'd just be like, Wah! like their brain would shut down. Um, but uh, the culture is so in- intertwined. It's purposeful. I mean, mm-hmm. I think it's pr- probably always been there. I, I know that entertainment and politics has been existing since before ancient Rome. Like it's always been a, a storytelling manipulation tool. There's always a delivery to the, the mob, you know, mm-hmm. delivery. Um, but, you know, someone like Breitbart, uh, you know, uncovered a, a great adage or truth, which is that uh, politics is always downstream from culture. So uh, the big boys knew this, figured it out. CIA knew this. Um, and they started creating culture or like influencing culture. So they try right. to lead with culture, but they're so hungry for their political outcomes that they end up making the two the same in the delivery. So it's not even subtle anymore. They just mm-hmm. can't do it well. And it's not real art. It's, uh, it's just manipulation and propaganda. Um, is there an art to propaganda? Yes, but um, just, just propaganda is not necessarily art itself, I don't think. Um, but yeah, so I think that little uh, twisted that, you, that you're seeing, you cannot distinguish I would say not just culture from politics, but I don't think you can discern entertainment from uh, culture and entertainment from politics, like the three, there's a triad or whatever. Um, Those two have been intertwined so deeply, not only from intent, but um, the fact that we're all sort of reporters, we're contributors and consumers at the same time. Our phones enable us to make and consume at the same rate almost uh making is still a little bit behind consuming but it's getting there and when those two are one i think that's almost like a mini singularity where it's just like you can't distinguish reality if you're based on this system like Mm -hmm. you have to restore back to you have to resort back to the physical world um and which i think is going to be a big thing in the next five to ten years uh i think you know the the real ironically the real truth fighters you know the truthers the the people who are fighting for the good uh the the theists the farmers uh ironically the biggest fight against that machine is going to be the departure from it is going to be getting to land and being like oh it's it's not it's no longer about getting on the internet and and making people aware and like Mm -hmm. you know warning and all this stuff it's just going back and doing it and uh, i kind of look forward to that ironically because you know my the work i do is constantly connected to this beast Mm -hmm. you know i have to interact with it in order to comment on it but i'm by commenting i'm participating in it i'm feeding back into it to some extent and um, you know, people would say, well, no, you're waking people up too. So it, it does matter, which I, I believe too, or I'd like to believe. Um, but that inter that intertwined, uh, element of it, I think the way out is literally non-participation where you're not, you're not appealing to the machine and your thumbs typing, you're actually growing something. And you're like, oh, instead of fighting that guy about the pandemic, I, you know, hung out with my daughter or I, uh, you know, grew a tomato, you know, something Mm -hmm. that gave something back to me. Mm -hmm. And I think more people will 
gravitate uh, gravitate toward that. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Uh, that's something within even within myself. The last several years, um, you know, as I started exploring, you know, what do I really believe and where do I really stand? I just noticed this hunger in myself, or just for something real. Yeah, you know, and that's kind of seeing the whole world of, you know, everyone going out to fancy restaurants and posting on their Instagram and taking their edited photos or taking their angel wing photos behind what well, it's like, this isn't real. Like what the hell are we doing? But that, that, that was what kind of gave you street cred in a sense. And that, Oh, yeah. look how great this person's Instagram file profile looks. And you meet that person in real life. It's like, you're, you're a mess. Yeah. Like your life looks great on Instagram, but you're, I don't like you as a person. Like you're not, I don't feel like I'm interacting with a real human being. Right. And it's like, it started to seem like everyone's motivation. We even hear like the, the term, do it for the gram. And I was like, you're, you're not doing that for any other reason than to bolster your Instagram. Um, oh, I was going to say, um, oh, I thought it's pretty I- ironic and a- it's somewhat appropriate that um, that fakeness, the fakeness we got so used to, uh, you know, online, Instagram, the fake, the food, the, the image, the worship of it. Um, it's appropriate, but it's still got a funny joke to it that it's, it was disrupted and almost demolished by, by a narrative itself that was fake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like yeah, it's yeah. so funny. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's good. It's good. <laughs> and then like broke up, it broke up everything. Like I talked about how like the fakeness, uh, the appeal to the celebrity culture is been demolished like mm-hmm. i actually don't think it's coming back i think it'll yeah. try to make its way back but it'll never recover to the place it was where it was propped up on the stage on these fake stilts mm-hmm. the laughter and all the stuff it's like people are like wait what no oh now because now they're seeing who what it really looks like you know yeah. jimmy fallon in a zoom call without all the claps and all of the the nonsense you're just like oh it was just a big show. Like it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And then they're, they're, they're unable to produce the same amount of um, value or content, you know, right. you know, they just can't do it. They can't be a normal person sitting here. Like mm-hmm. you and I are talking. Yep. There's always a bit, there's it's always, always a, something. Yeah. And you're like, uh, nobody wants the bit anymore, mm-hmm. you know? And, and, uh, and the, the left, uh, the left, the progressives, there are people in that realm who will catch up and be like, okay, back to authenticity, mm-hmm. back to not, not virtue led, not fake, not performance, not, uh, uh, you know, the, the, what was that one video with like, uh, Jesse Pinkman and all those guys apologizing to black people. Uh, uh, take responsibility. Take responsibility. <laughs> and, even people on that side are seeing through that. How do I know? You go to that video, it's got like 600 likes and like 80,000 dislikes, something ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's not just the right. Um, there are people on, on the left side of things who are slowly kind of have to culturally nudge people out of this, out of that trap they've been set into. Mm-hmm. You know, And uh, that's going to be, glorious i still don't agree with any most of anything they say but at least they'll get back to some true liberalism you know yes mm-hmm. you know if you're going to be a liberal and you're going to be a relativist be consistent right be consistent and mm-hmm. and you know go you know be the punk rock again i mean the fact that the right is now punk rock is the counter to the culture is very 
bizarre and funny you know like you know yeah. i had one i had one meme where it was like in 1980 it said then it was like the punk rocker given the figure with the tattoos and the leather vest or whatever <laughs> spiked hair pink and then the next slide it, it says like counterculture then and then the now is a family guy like white dude <laughs> with the kids on top of him and the wife and it's just like normal like yeah. normal is counter to what's being pushed um which is a whole other conversation that I talk about a lot, which is like that progressivism always goes toward mimicking, usurping or uh, infiltrating um, traditionalism mm-hmm. you know, that it always ends up mimicking. Why? Because we're humans and anything that we value inevitably must be a part of a cohesive foundation. Otherwise, mm-hmm. how do you transfer it? How do you, grow it um and so they see traditionalism christianity family values that kind of like that those are all melded together and they're like no you can't own you can't own marriage and then they Mm -hmm. they try to uh invert marriage and they're like no we're a family too like five fathers is a family also (laughs) and then you're like you're just mimic you're still appealing to the foundations right and those foundations need to be creative in, in other words, they need creative power, which that's why the family is the foundation. That's why it's tied to God is because you see the hierarchy, the mm-hmm. man, uh, the God to God, to man, to woman, to child, the cycle, the creation of his work again, right. again and again in a cycle. You mm-hmm. can't fake that. You can't, you can't pretend because right. you know what I mean? Like in the end it's inversion. And so, mm-hmm. When people say, Jim Bob, I didn't know you were anti-gay marriage. And I'm like, no, I'm anti-inversion. Like the the term gay marriage itself is an an inversion of what marriage is. Just like uh, Ben Shapiro always talks about. If you put a modifier (laughs) before something, it it, it perverts the the original uh, meaning of that thing. Like if you, social justice, there's only justice. There can't be social justice. That's putting a modifier. And then you're like, Ben, what about Judeo-Christian? Oh, that's different. (laughs) (laughs) If you guys haven't seen, go to Jim Bob's Instagram, by the way, at made by Jim Bob. And he, he does Instagram lives. Usually, when do you usually do those about like 1 p.m. 1 30 mountain time. Yep. If you guys ever had the privilege of jumping on those Instagram lives, he does some of the best impressions you'll ever hear in your entire life. <laughs> Thanks, <too. laughs> Especially as a, well, Ben Shapiro's great. Richard Dawkins, all of them are great. But uh, I love his uh, Jordan Peterson as well. It's, it's fantastic. Well, it depend, <laughs> depends on what you mean by impression, you know? <laughs> It's like, look at the word itself. That could be many things. I mean, there's a, you could impress a foot in the mud. You know, you could, there's impressions that chickens can make upon people. You know, it's like, it's not just you doing my voice, you know, and I feel like you've kind of, you know, you've taken that away. You were, you were on one of your recent lives, you were talking about, (laughs) oh man, I I can't even get through this right uh martin luther king's i have a dream oh, speech yeah, yeah. i'm gonna animate the shit out of that oh my god oh please do that was I'm, great. I'm just waiting because i have to really write it perfectly but that is gonna be a fun surprise because people are gonna forget that i said i was gonna do that and i'm gonna work on it uh unfortunately i can't wait until it's his day or whatever again but i'll wait for a, a racial a racially infused news cycle because uh, it's so appropriate, you know, the yeah. whole 
<clears throat> that pairing that speech with the current event of things and the forced, uh, you know, I look at that. I'm so fascinated by that. The how it's not really talked about the forced uh, assimilation of cultures and whether ethnicities are tied to cultures or not is a whole other argument. It's it's just the the idea that you're supposed to mix all the ice creams together forcefully. Like mm -hmm. we should just expect that. Right. And uh, it's silly. It's a silly presumption because like the irony is that the, the people who are always like, you need equal, you know, um, visibility of cultures and, and ethnicities and all this stuff. And you're like, how do you preserve those? Mm -hmm. How are they preserved? They're right. preserved by keeping them cohesive, mm -hmm. by keeping them united and distinct. So it's like, we want to, you know, reserve it. And then you're like, well, what do you think about removing half of Japan's people and, and instead infusing Japan with uh, 50 million people from 10 different countries? Mm -hmm. You know, how do you preserve Japan? I don't want to go visit oh, Japan. Yeah. I don't want to visit a Japan that, that doesn't refuse me certain services because I'm not Japanese. Right. You know, that would suck. I yeah. would want that even the mistreatment because mm -hmm. I'd be like, Oh, it's Japan. Yeah. Yeah. It's like <laughs> very legit. It's I wish I was Japanese just so I can, whatever that service is, even if it's eating a live frog and I would be like, that's disgusting. <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> but, but that's like a like people who advocate for that, that former view, they can never answer to the question of how do you preserve the cultures that you're saying need fair visibility. How do yeah. you preserve visibility even if you can't preserve, you know, how do you demonstrate visibility if they all turn into a sludgy gray, you know, like, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like, and then they're just left like, well, I don't know. And you're like, yeah, you don't because you're, you're stuck because you have to protect them, you know? And if you force assimilate everybody and mix it all into a blender, there is no culture. Right. And that's what globalism wants. That's what those people want. They want people as numbers. And they mm -hmm. know that national, ethnic, cultural, and theological, uh, um, what's the word, hegemony, or like just uh, unity. Homogeny. Uh, that, that is in the way mm -hmm. of a global standardized system. Why? Because if... You can't have a globalized standardized system if all cultures participate in their life differently, different mm -hmm. customs, different ways of doing things. You, it that global Bill Gates needle dick view of the world of how it should work is um, reliant on all people behaving in the same system, same way, which is toward efficiency models, toward uh, pragmatism, utility, and... Uh, because why, like, how do we know that? Because there are cultures that do things that are not done by efficiency. They're doing it, they're doing it out of ritual or um, their religion, their religious practice. It's not based in where this weird fetish of the efficient uh, future, you know, and that, and we're in the way. And it doesn't matter which one, like forget the argument of which religion is most coherent or, uh, which cultures have, uh, you know, reprehensible practices. It, forget that argument. That's a moral argument. Um, just on the, the pol political uh, paradigm, you have to get rid of all of those things if you want um, a truly global standardized 
uh, economy even or, right. or government you know mm -hmm. they all have everyone has to be seen as the same number and uh yeah that gets me into face masks how you know we don't we still don't see each other as as numbers you know mm -hmm. we see each other's as as people there's joseph he has a face he has expressions mm -hmm. there's certain things he laughs at and doesn't all of us have these things and then we we imprint those things on each other um <laughs> but if you remove those things and you make a faceless being, um, there are people like Bill Gates who see us as numbers, abstract faceless beings toward a goal. And um, he doesn't get his way unless we all see each other as numbers. Right. We need to do that first. Otherwise he can't get his way. Yeah. And that's why rejecting this narrative, <laughs> new paradigm of the face mask, which is essentially replacing climate change as the threat. Uh, you know, the Karunka is replacing the terrorism as the threat. It's the same method, the same game over and over again. It's a, there's a boogeyman and he looks like this and uh, be scared. And if you're not scared, we're going to have to create some kind of episodics to deliver to you monthly. So you're scared and then we'll cut some heads off and then uh, do some stuff. But then they're like, guys, you know, this is not working. It's not long-term enough. Like, People aren't scared of climate change because they keep, we keep telling them it's 13 years out. Um, <laughs> so they're like, let's invent. What if I do a, listen, my son is really good at uh, graphic design and stuff. He can make a 3d model of like a French tickler sex toy. And we'll call that a virus. And we'll just send that out and uh, tell people it's invisible and you can't see it. And you need our testing to tell you if you have it or not, but sometimes you don't have it. Um, and then uh, it's going to be the invisible enemy forever. But because you can't see it, the closest image of it is your face. So um, cover the face and look at each other like diseases. Bingo. So easy to do, especially with 150 plus countries on board the UN agenda uh, to do such a thing. It's like people are like, Jim Bob, you really think that many countries can get together and do execute a plan? Yes. They did. Yeah, they can. <laughs> It, it doesn't have to be slick. It doesn't have to be well done. It could be sloppy. We're showing that even the holes in the, in it mm -hmm. doesn't matter revealing the holes. Mm -mm. They, people buy the initial trauma of the, the, the spider that landed on them. Even right. if it turned out not to be a spider, they still embody that first moment of freaking out. And, mm -hmm. and then they, they see other people do it. And then, um, so yeah, it's so apparent to me. Uh, what a deceptive, dark. That's why good and evil. That's why religion, uh, Christianity in particular, is such an important uh, aspect of viewing and being able to discern deception. I mm -hmm. really think that there is a relationship between what you're able to see and discern, uh, and your willingness to affirm good and evil exists. Mm -hmm. um, and it's somewhat circular. It's like good and evil exists. How do you know? Cause I can see it, but it can't not be circular because mm -hmm. it just, it, it has to be circular that paradigm because right. um, there's no other way. The alternative is it doesn't exist and you mm -hmm. can't ever point it out that doing mass deception, lying, uh, you know, killing people in a, in a way, in an indirect way mm -hmm. uh, is evil. Because it's all toward a greater good. Bill Gates is greater good. Right. And it, that's, that's the disgusting, the perver perverted part about it is that not only does it become, you can't say it's evil, that 
it becomes the perverse form of good. No, this right. is for the greater good. Exactly. This, this is this is what's right. Completely denounce what's good and evil. Absolutely. And, it, and it's that's exactly what the Bible says. Is they'll call good evil and evil good. Right. And sour and, sweet and yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they. I just watched. I uh, finally watched Joker. The whole thing is that mm-hmm. the whole mm-hmm. premise is relativism, flipping the good to be the bad to be the good at the end. Like he's the hero. Yeah, we got to fight these people. Like you know, killing those guys was justified. Um, mm-hmm. um, you know, the only thing they did to sort of safeguard themselves, the writers, is make the guy a psycho psychopath. So mm-hmm. it's like, but they also flirted with that he really wasn't that he was his true self. That he really was laughing in right. moments, and he was joyful. It was just truly him. And who are you to say? Because like on the show at the end, he says, it's all relative, man. What you find, we determine what's funny the same way to determine what's good and evil. And, um, and so, yeah, that relativism and nihilism. I mean, there's a great book by a guy named Stephram Rose. He's of the Orthodox Christian um, worldview. And he, his book called Nihilism is so fantastic. It's, it's just so timeless. It applies to everything we're looking at now, but it, it applies to everything we've seen in the past and how all it takes is a, a collective form of relativism to, to end up in a nihilistic state where mm-hmm. there's, there is no true North. Right. Dude, North is just, you know, turn your end sideways. It's just a Z, man. It depends on <laughs> where it's standing, man. My, who are you to say that my... North, East, West, South isn't just Z, B, refrigerator, knob. It's like, who are you to say, man? We make up language. <laughs> you know, it's, it's everything's so based on this postmodernist, post-structuralist ideology where there is no boundaries. There's, there is no true North. There is no good and evil. There's no man and woman. Like you said, how do we get all the ice cream to just melt together? Right. There's no distinct flavor anymore. It's not even good. Like imagine no. you're just no. you don't even mix it together. It's just melted. No. Just this right. glob of disgustiness. And then you have to yeah. eat it and slurp it up and just put a smile on your face. And like, oh, this is delicious. I love yeah. it, guys. I'm on right. board. We're all together here. Yeah. I'm, I'm, here's my compliance. Here's my currency. Exactly. Like, yeah. Oh, and that's a, that, that gray foam of mi- mixed, uh, no taste, melted foam. Think about it. If who we are as people are affirmed by transcendental virtues that can't be based in Bill Gates's, uh, you know, Excel spreadsheet. It can't be the self uh, consciousness, good, evil, honor, dignity, beauty, um, love. These are the things that we embody in ourselves that make us who we are. And, and so if you reduce all of those things to gray relative sludge, then the follow is that we see ourselves as, because how else do you see yourself? Right. If it's all relative, if they can reduce those things and sell that to us, like, like literally the connection between who we are to ourselves is those transcendental categories, who we are, how we love, what we find funny. These things aren't, aren't, uh, aren't categories of the material. So um, we become whatever the value of those things are. And if those things are all relatively valued, like, and they're just a big massive sludge, we ourselves look at ourselves as a massive sludge, you know, otherwise you're already arguing against it, which most people will. 
Because once you get even a materialist atheist to be like, do you think you're just a sludge and you, you don't exist? And uh, you're just a bubbling, uh, you know, vat of uh, particles interacting. And they're like, you know, no. I mean, they'll, they'll say no. <laughs> but even if they said yes, who's saying yes? Mm -hmm. Even if they said yes. Right. They're not saying yes. Just, mm -hmm. a, just a reaction. Just a chemical reaction. Mm-hmm. So that's how you like refute it. Like I'm not worried about the gray sludge because um, I know it's inconsistent with how people actually live. Right. They will have to live uh, with the inconsistency of thinking that, mm -hmm. uh, you know, they have to deal with that. Yeah. And that's what pushes people toward theism. I believe is that if you start arguing from logic, reasoning, coherency, people generally don't prefer to know that their worldview is inconsistent, incoherent, and self-refuting. So showing people that first is, uh, I think, an important step, at least was for me, in even opening them up to another view. And uh, that's why I don't jam the other view in. I just right. let them, because they have to choose too. Mm -hmm. So uh, the choice is fundamental in their moral uh, life. You know, in the moral life, you have to have choice so um, I kind of see it like that, where you just leave them lingering in their own inadequate worldview. Mm -hmm. And they're just like, wait, I can't, just, I can't justify that there's real truth. And you're like, well, exactly. And if you don't think that, you can't even say that. That's what sucks. Mm -hmm. You can't even say, I can't even really justify it. Like, if you just look at it, like, truly through, through logic, it's like, like you said at the beginning, and, and Jay Dyer touches on this a lot there aren't infinite worldviews mm -hmm. there are once you use logic and philosophy there's very limited roads you can take and for the most part they lead either to transcendentalism a higher mind god and then once you get there you have to distinguish what's the most coherent worldview of that mm -hmm. the uh, the alternative is always epistemic nihilism where nothing can truly be known which is again self-refuting itself couldn't even say that. Um, you know, you can't even make truth claims. You can't base logic in anything. You have to start arguing that logic might not exist. <laughs> Just, again, <laughs> self-refuting. <laughs> like, you know, and, and so that's what, uh, I don't know, that's what's cool. That's what's cool about what, what, we, what I do and what we all kind of do uh, at the day-to-day -day level, which is like, we always have an opportunity to shed very basic rudimentary light on darkness, right. uh, you know, and that's, I believe that's uh, Christian morality, mm -hmm. which is, it's very relieving to know that the use of logic in my worldview is the use or appeal to God himself, which is, right. I find not only beautiful, but uh, it gives me some, a, a really wonderful place to stand is so far as uh, sharing that worldview. And it's not a, it's not like you're going to hell, you know, the, all this stuff you can appeal to that, but it doesn't help because mm -hmm. in the end, logic is the accent logos. There's a reason logos and logic mean the same thing. And, and uh, so there's just some, there's just a, a great path there for anyone uh, listening to, if you pursue logic, you will 
pursue philosophy and and by uh, the result of that will point you to a an omniscient mind if you take mm-hmm. it that far mm-hmm. otherwise you're just gonna say uh no i just i don't need to justify logic it's just mm-hmm. it's just an immaterial law that's uh inerrant and absolute that was somehow formed in an explosion of the universe even though it's immaterial just fl- it's like it's somewhere in there it's like in that explosion somehow the immaterialness <laughs> of absolute truth is just it's out there some we'll get to it we'll find it <laughs> one day <laughs> we'll we'll turn it into particles we'll see it you know right which goes into the again that claim that i i know one day we'll figure it out no you don't no and that's a when it for me like just put it when i put it simply to people it's like just, just don't be so arrogant to say you know because you don't yeah like for me i'm a christian i believe yeah. in god do i know for a fact like as much as my human mind can reason this out philosophically or kind of come to that point like you said eventually you just come to the point there has to be a god i can't see in it for me i can't see any any other uh, outcome and that was i was very heavily influenced by uh, c.s lewis's work oh yeah I, I i grew up christian but i got i reached a point in my life in my early 20s was like do i even really believe this yeah and who is god and what, what do i really believe as a human being as, as a person yeah and uh I, I i doubted the existence of god for quite some time but C.S. Lewis's work was very fundamental for me. So yeah, well, it's, it's faith too. It is. Mm-hmm. That's the important thing is that exactly. you can, you can argue logical necessities um, um, and so forth. And you could uh, argue the coherency and you could at best argue why belief and faith in, in God is rational and coherent. That's a great place to start your argument, but it's never really proof because that's antithetical to mm-hmm. faith. So you're never really dealing with a proof. You're dealing with a theoretical, um, logical syllogism. But mm-hmm. you're, uh, but the faith part is really important. But that's the whole argument. Also, is that right. an atheist is also putting their faith in something mm-hmm. to start. And um, it's not, you know, I don't like the argument. Oh, not believing is faith. No, don't do that. You have faith in laws of logic and that mm-hmm. a truth exists. You mm-hmm. can't produce a number seven or the concept truth to me. Right. You can't em- empirically make that happen for me. So why are you you're believing in the same thing? Mm-hmm. Uh, you're requiring faith in something you can't see. Uh, that makes no sense uh, either to, to uh, assume the truth of an immaterial concept, right? We know right. concepts are derived or created by minds and we know the truth isn't created by our mind because that's Mm self-refuting we know human beings are an absolute we can't create absolute laws Mm -hmm. so that at least gets you to a mind you know and and in my conversation with atheists um that's my tactic i don't it's not a manipulation it's just that i know i don't i'm not going to appeal to god before I appeal to a mind, mm-hmm. I'm going to get them to the mind first. Right. Then they have to deal with simulation. And there's an AI mind maybe that gave us laws of logic, like a computer system. But then once they do that, you show them uh, endless regress. And then mm-hmm. you show them how um, something needs to cause something into existence. You know, nothing can't cause something. And then you just keep using the logical argumentation and eventually they either tap out or they go, I'm going to have to figure it out, but I still reject. I don't, I cannot get myself to believe a bronze age book written by peasants. And they just go to their, <laughs> their straw mans. Mm-hmm. And then they're just like, and it's like, it's not easy for us to understand or defend the historicity either. 
That's why it's not a great argument for God, but it also assumes that we fully can understand all of it. Like that's also a misconception that uh, Christianity or faith assumes this uh, baseline assumption that you know all the answers. No, it's the opposite. Right. That's what faith is, is that, that we don't appeal to man has have having wisdom or all the answers exactly, and that that we can never get them. We can't get enlightenment like Mm -hmm. the, the Eastern stuff, we can't f- kill the ego, whatever that means. Like uh, we're in the state of humility, mm-hmm. you know, and that's to me is like, you know, in a way that's like blissfulness. It's just, you know, yeah. you, you know, you just, that's what you, that's where you stand, you know, and you're, that's that to me, that's true faith. It's true. Faith is in like, having a moral checklist and looking at people and be like, Oh, you don't even know how many check marks you have against my little <laughs> notebook. Do you? Cause there's a difference between discerning, you know, the absence of, of good or the departure from good and assuming you're the authority and delivering said judgment. You know, right. all of us are very vulnerable, including myself to this mm-hmm. where it's like, you can put, pointed out but you can't there's a very fine line where you start being the judge mm-hmm. and jesus says this himself you know measure, judge by the measure which we, you want to be judged right and that's real quick it's like man you know i don't want to be judged too harshly <laughs> it, it puts you in check real fast but when you abide yeah. by that it's yeah like, well you know maybe i maybe not be a dick <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> pretty simply yeah. it's like yeah because i I'm, I'm flawed and if i was judged as harsh as i'm judging somebody else i'm gonna have a lot to answer for and yeah. I don't want to answer that way. And it's, like you said, that humility of saying, I don't know, and eventually get kind of get into the place where you can't think beyond anymore. You kind of reach the end in a sense of what your human mind can tolerate. It just leads you back to, well, I can't figure out anymore. So I'm just going to go along with my life being useful. <laughs> I'm going to go grow that tomato. I'm going to go raise my children. I'm going to go right. clean my house. I'm going to go make love yeah. to my wife. These real things we're, we're talking about, these this yeah. real productivity. Yeah. And going back to your point earlier about, you know, the new counterculture being going back to what's real. I, I think you're exactly right. Do things that are actually productive. Actually, things, things that are actually fruitful. You know, I think it's, I joked about this with some friends, like, you know, you can go to a job and create spreadsheets for eight hours and say you're productive. It's like, but what did you really produce? What did you really create? Yeah. There's Nothing. no fruits. The fruits of man, you know, we're judged by our fruits too, you know, mm-hmm. and that's, our fruits are our children, um, the good in the world that we create, our forgiveness, our, um, you know, our, our service mm-hmm. to others and to God. And, uh, and these things are just something that I always argue on my streams. Like, it's like people want to get to a scoreboard version. Like just Jim, Jim up, just tell me the categories and the, the, how many points are in each category and just give me the game. Give me the app. Mm-hmm. Give me the app. You're like, no, there's no end. You don't win it. You don't don't win win. the morality game. uh, Even if you grew the biggest garden and fed the most people, Mm -hmm. there's no winning the game. It's just, you live, you live in it in accordance to, and Mm -hmm. uh, you do your best and you know that we're not the judge and they're, and those people aren't the judge. And, um, and that's the ultimate form of faith is like, we're so sneaky into being like, no, no. No, I went to confession. No, <laughs> no. I may have looked at that, but I went to confession. And so it's even, you know, and then like you set up these rules and it's like negotiating. You, you treat God as like 
um, a Bank of America person, you're trying to reverse the charges, you know? Yeah. <laughs> can, we, can we just, can we just, I didn't know. I didn't know though. Um, yeah. So that's the beauty and the, um, the simplicity, but yet the, the challenge to people is they still mm-hmm. want an answer. They just tell me the way to do it. And that's mm-hmm. why I always say, like when people say, well, what is the basis of morality? I always correct myself, even if I say that and say, it has to be a who mm-hmm. the standard must be a who, because morality is related to our behavior, our actions, who we are being, uh, the beingness of our personhood and, and so forth. Right. And, and so what tries to make it a thing and then to make it a chart and then there's a list. And then obviously if, if it was objective, we could look at a list, right. Mm-hmm. And then to just check it off and then we would know, no, because it's a who and the, because it's a who and it's a trans and transcendental who mm-hmm. it can't be a chart. And because it's a transcendental who we can't ever match it. So it's like uh, you just have to accept that. And it's no different than knowledge. We mm. can't, we can't obtain all knowledge. Right. You know? And uh, it's, it's the same thing. We can't uh, embody f- the fullest extent of love in our, in us. We mm. can't do it. Like we can't, we're fallen. So, right. I mean, that's the, to me is the greatest place to stand, but it really pisses people off because then you can't, you can't get on the Q ride and be like, what if Tom Hanks is in jail, we could finally build a Christian nation. And you're like, uh, what about Ellen? She has a thing on her leg. She has a, you know, you know, a bracelet on her leg. We're going to win. Get fall cabal, fall cabal. And then, and then on the right or the left, you're just like, then Bernie Sanders isn't going to deliver like equality for all. And it's just utilitarianism like right. back and forth. Mm-hmm. And it's very difficult for people to stand in. No, we're fallen and we'll always be fallen. And you can't create a structure in the world that's going to somehow refute or demonstrate otherwise ever. Right. Prove, I mean, you can't prove me wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can't do it. The best we can do is, like you said, be an example of the light of the good mm-hmm. in yourself. And people can say, oh, hey, I like this person. Or, hey, what do you believe? Or right. why do you live your life this way? Oh, right. huh, that's interesting. Or, hey, I like the fact that you have a family and that you are productive and you guys seem happy. I want yeah. that joy. I want that happiness because exactly. I have gray sludge over here. And the more I look at it, the more I hate it. And the yep. more I have to stay locked down in my home and the more I have to wear a mask, and the more I can't go to Disneyland anymore. I think this sucks. Like, so what are you guys offering? And yeah. if we're not offering something better, there's going to be no reason for people to come over. Exactly. And exactly. when they have something to come over, it's like, because we can't dictate morality, but hopefully people can just start, you know, taking on that morality for themselves and subscribing to that. And like you said, we're never going to reach peak love, peak knowledge. We're never going to be transcendent and holy, transcendent and holy. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean you don't try. Right. It doesn't mean you don't learn more. That doesn't mean you don't yeah. educate yourself or acquire more knowledge or try to be more loving. Yeah. You're, you're constantly refining yourself until the day you die. Right. And you're never going to reach it. But the point right. isn't to reach it. The point is to do the best you can the time that you're here. Right. And the more everyone can subscribe to that model, and we can have a more cohesive and homogenous sense of morality of what is good and what is bad. Right. Then we can see a better world, but it's not going right. to be perfect. It's yeah, like when people we don't, yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say, when we don't do it because we want a, uh, the outcome of the better world, that's just a right. pragmatic cherry on top. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes the pursuit of it might not 
it directly per, per predict a, a better world in the short term. I mean, mm -hmm. the more people ab abide by God's law and go toward that, you might see more turmoil and friction and war because of the, the split and the divide. And they'll be like, no, you can't, you can't right. live off the land. You have to be a part of Bill Gates's little Disney, you know, like a little, uh, you know, whatever Toyota city, you know, whatever it's going to be. <laughs> and, uh, and so, yeah, that's why. And people that's like, um, so being moral or, or living a moral life can have very pragmatic advantages. Um, even at the full community level, city level, even at the national level, but pursuing the outcome of it is not the pursuit of a moral life. Right. It's a, yeah. Slight distinction that all of us are just vulnerable. Like that's, what's so crazy is that our fallen state makes us vulnerable to that. It's mm -hmm. like, wait, no, but can I just, let's just make it mandatory. And like, you just go to that spot. <laughs> like, I just, let's just murder everybody who's against murder or who's for murder. Let's just murder everyone who thinks murder is okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, it's, it's, that's why my problem with the whole racism thing, like we need to get rid of racism. It's, you're not going to get rid of racism. Racism always exists and always will exist. There's no possible way you can get rid of racism. Yeah. So when we start, like, I, I, what are you going to do? Just man, I mean, you start to, you do start to, people start um, trying to attribute morality to people. And so we're going to compel your speech. We're going to monitor all your actions. You're going to have no privacy. We're going to, if we can, we'd even invade your thoughts so you can never have a racist thought in your life. And if you do mm -hmm. have a racist thought, we have every right to kill you. Right. And now we'll have a perfect world. It's like, well, that's, but even that's not a perfect world because you're, now you're just killing people for right. things yeah, that might Bill, be misinterpreted. Bill Gates is working on uh, gene editing where, you know, if we, if we just take the mosquito, the, the, <laughs> the, 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 if we take the DNA part that tells the mosquito to bite people away, then we'll reduce malaria. And it's just like, you know, you're trying to, you're just doing an example. Like, you know, if you perfect that, you're going, going to move to humans. Well, maybe we could just remove the God, the part of the human that abides by and is driven to transcendental beingness. Um, just remove that. It's like, that's what the the technocrat wants that's what the transhumanist wants they get they decide this thing that we ought not have and it's stopping us from progress and if we remove it or stop that behavior then we can finally move ahead to the transcendent right and they're just trying to become god it's the same shit mm -hmm. they're just trying to become god right. we're trying to become closer to mm -hmm. they want to become it's very slight but very distinct differences in um they end up worshiping themselves. They worship right. their creations. And, and also a good point that I heard elsewhere is that uh, progress, and this is a good argument for progressives uh, if you run up against them, is they assume progress is toward some outcome that they deem uh, representative of a, a future that's whatever. Mm -hmm. But but progress, the only objective progress, because that's arguing from just subjectivity, you just make up a progress point and you go, right. point A is where we should go. But the only real progress can be truth. Mm -hmm. That's the only possible progress. Mm -hmm. um, 
which is which is just how it's designed it, you know we can only get closer to truth we can't other otherwise all other progress is arbitrary and given by a goal right and then it's like whoever's making the goal decides the progress toward mm -hmm. that goal yes objectively you could measure progress toward a goal but the goal is arbitrary mm -hmm. and people skip that part a lot they just assume well no progress is good i mean now now a moose can marry a, a woman like what how do you not see that as progress it's like toward what toward what right what are you progressing toward mm -hmm. and it can only be truth and truth uh can't have a material outcome and people have a problem with that mm -hmm. you know yeah when, when it's it's all relative and there's the subjectivity to it it's not objective like you said what you can deem progressive, I deem regressive. Right. You're heading in a different direction than I am, and now we right. don't agree. How can we find – there is no – either we just flat out don't agree or we're going to find some common grounds. But if we can't find a common ground, then we're just – we're naturally opposed yeah. to each other. Right. We're not – I don't want a moose marrying a woman. No. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't want to live in that world at all. <laughs> no. And that's but, why I don't – that's why I don't uh, subscribe to this, like, sort of middle of the road, classical liberal Dave Rubin-y kind of approach where it's just mm -hmm. like, can't we just have ideas come together and just coexist and make the best. Art? And it's like, no, you don't want, um, like people say like, you know, stop the divide or whatever. And it's like, no, the truth is divisive. Mm -hmm. Like it cuts. And so you can't, you can't go toward, then you just make concessions for the truth. And then that's right. how you end up where we are is gray sludgy matter. Absolutely. There's no North. You have to fight for North and you have mm -hmm. to use logic to fight for North. You don't use force to fight for North unless you're like in a corner, you mm -hmm. know, that's the last thing you want to do. Right. Um, and, uh, but that's something that people, I would like to impart on people if I could, is that, um, that truth is divisive and there is no, um, you know, can't we just, let's push unity. It's like, no, I, again, didn't you hear Joseph? He said he doesn't want a moose marrying a little girl. <laughs> no, but what, what if we can make it just a slight, a, an allowance? Can we just make an allowance there? Like, no, no. What if they both want it? Yeah, exactly. What if the moose and the girl are okay with it? Yeah, exactly. What if there's consent? It's like, what if there's consent that someone wants someone else to cut their throat open on live television? It's like, you're going to be like, it's no, it's morally fine. You know, they may have, they both signed. Did you see they both signed? They have the new app where anything's doable as long as you change uh, eyeballs, you know, eyeball scans. Yeah, the whole, the whole thing is just, that's why that, uh, that sort of like classical liberal, you know, the whole, you see it on the right now with like Charlie Kirk. He's just like, mm -hmm. we are more tolerant than everybody. We have trannies and we have um, uh, all of these, we have orgies and we do everything that the left says is good. And we are now the, it's like, what do you, you're just measuring, you're just becoming more like liberal. You know, you're being right. like, we're tolerant of a lot of disgusting behavior and we're more tolerant than you. It's like <laughs> the tolerance war mm -hmm. is so fake and dumb. And again, it just leads to the gray sludgy matter because nobody's fighting for true North. You're just mm -hmm. never, you have to, if you have conviction, it's conviction. useless mm -hmm. unless you put yourself in a position where you're arguing it 
and, mm-hmm. and um, it's a tough position. You get attacked, you get uh, ridiculed, you get called narrow-minded um, and all this stuff, but it's so useful in what, how you want to live. Like you can't trade it for anything. You have, you like, right. You just gotta say it. You got, and you could say it in nice ways. There are different people who say things in different ways. You don't mm-hmm. have to be brutal. Right. I mean, you have to be on, brutally honest, but you don't have to be brutal in, in, you know, that's why I, I like that. I can use humor, like things that I disagree with. Like I thought it was hilarious that I made a meme of two dudes getting married and the priest saying, you may consummate this marriage with a pee pee and the poo poo. Like there's something so funny about a sacred vow being consummated by poop. I mean, <laughs> this show, the absurdity and it's not bigoted because that's what it actually is. Like I'm mm-hmm. not misrepresenting. Right. Like I'm showing <laughs> so many levels there of like, first there's that part. Then there's the part where they're embodying the foundation of God's, uh, you know, house or, or, you know, the model, you know, like you're, you're forcing your practices into an existing template. And that's what you, that's what makes it funny actually is because there's this higher realm of good uh, dignity and, and love that isn't pervert perverted, that isn't uh, inverted. And you're just placing an inversion inside of, of what would not be inverted framework. And it'll always look funny. Yeah. It'll always look funny, even without the wordage. That's funny wordage. But even without the wordage, it's still off. It's like the Zs on the pizza, pizza signs that are backwards. Mm-hmm. There's a reason they're backwards. So that you can you look at them and you're like, that's backwards. Like they know the mind goes toward what doesn't fit that order. We mm-hmm. have a natural sense right. of like, oh, that's something orderly. Like if that was on a test, you would see like which one doesn't fit. Even mm-hmm. if you believed in like gay marriage, you'd probably pick that one and you would hate that you had to pick it because you would know it as a right answer, but then you'd be like, but it's just a construct. It's just truth is a construct. You know, we just, we make it up. And it's like, then why, if we make up truth, why would you need to, why would you need to co-opt and uh, adopt foundationalism? You know, like, why would you need the foundation? Right. It, it, you could just make up anything. Why didn't, mm-hmm. why, why are you going to a church? Why are you starting churches? Yeah. You know, why mm-hmm. not just start a, uh, you know, a campground or like a, you know, you, just, you could listen, you could make it all up. Right. Mm-hmm. Why do you need the original foundations? Right. That's what it doesn't make. I mean, it makes sense to me because I know the truth, but exactly. um, from their perspective, why wouldn't you just, make up your own culture and, mm-hmm. and i always argue like people are like you sound hard on the gays and i'm like that it's not a, it's not about the people mm-hmm. you know they're people i love them right it's that uh, a behavior is not a culture or a foundation right we don't you know the culture of marriage isn't um it's not just it's uh, heterosexuality is the prerequisite for the foundation you know, it fits mm-hmm. within the foundation, but it isn't the basis of the foundation. It's not like um, heterosexual sex um, is the foundation of uh, the practices and customs that follow for, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? They're not, that's just one element. You know what I mean? It's right. not, it doesn't build, you're not like, yes, let's do the heterosexual parade, <laughs> you know, you know, 
you know, let's do the family uh, parade, a parade of the family. Let's do a parade of just the, just the family, like yeah. just uh, a <laughs> religious parade or like all of this stuff. It's just like, you know what I mean? It doesn't, that's why you see all of these overcompensation, uh, you know, these forms of expressions that are overcompensations to mm-hmm. be like, we fit, fit us in, right. fit us right. in. And mm-hmm. it's like, you don't because the people, the foundation, the way predominantly things operate don't require all of the things, all those compensations. We don't overly, you know, people are like, are you saying we don't overly push heterosexuality in TV? It's like, no. Otherwise, basically the argument is we, are we pushing 99% of all um, organisms are heterosexual? Are we pushing it? Like, are we like telling the badger, like you should really, (laughs) you should really find the vagina one. Like, you don't, you know, it's like, no, we don't even need to. Cause that's argument. Like, you know what I mean? It's like in logic, it's not, a, it's not valid. Cause it's an argument from uh, ad populum, like, you know, what the majority is, mm-hmm. but, but that's in nature though. It's like, we don't have a choice. Uh, what's, what's uh, what that law is. It's right. for, it's given to us. Mm-hmm. And the predominant law is uh, toward recreation. Right. No. Yeah, it's not our fault that heterosexual self leads to life. Like, right. Right. It's just, it just is. I can't right. argue against it. I can't. Right. It's not my opinion that it does that. It just does no. that. No. It's, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and it's like you, if it's a two women or two men, if you want to make life, you still need the proper um, combination. Right. Which is just more mimicking, appealing back to. You'd have to say it's proper. You'd have mm-hmm. to say if you want the kid. Yeah. How are you going to say it? What it's not the thing that you need. That's a necessity for what you want to build. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? You need it. You yeah. need it. Even if you're doing a, you know, a, you don't even know the person and you're just doing a frozen injection or whatever. It's just, um, you know, you're appealing to the order. Yeah. That's why it's mimicry. It's always, it's never quite totally. I mean, even sex itself, it's like anal sex is still mimicking sex it, it's mm-hmm. not sex actually like biologically it's just something else but yeah. it's a mimic it's like that's why they coined the phrase but right. if we were being proper in biology you wouldn't even call that sex mm-hmm. yeah because it's not repro- it's not an act of reproducing so it's like uh that's a that's how that's how cultural inversion works and it starts with language mm-hmm. yeah it's there's nothing original it's no. always just an inversion or perversion or something that is. Right. And that's that, all you that can is, start from. Right. Yeah, even the truth. That's why pe- people, uh, we understand that lies start from a truth. Mm-hmm. You cannot lie without the truth. Like, right. You need, that's why the truth is absolute because even lies borrow more than half of it probably, you know. Mm-hmm. In fact, a lot of lies are probably, you know, like just a slight, like there's a truth and there's like, Ooh, let's just mm-hmm. put this little, little oh, hint yeah. of pepperka in there, <laughs> you know? Uh, anyway, I got to, I got to run soon. Oh, sure. Um, yeah. So I guess, uh, just one last thing I kind of want to talk to you about, um, you know, you kind of talk about this a lot of masculinity and being a father and doing what, just go have babies, like be a, yeah. be a, go get married, have babies, be, be fruitful. And I see such a, 
decomposition of masculinity throughout society. Um, that's something I want to guys to realize, like start taking this seriously and understand that the current culture hates you. Mm-hmm. And there's just, there's just blatant attacks on masculinity to where you cannot be a man. It's not okay to be a man, but part of being a man is saying to hell with you. I'll do what I yeah. want. So right. to really embody that and um, have that conviction, like you said, and I think once you have conviction, no, no one can mess with you. No one can do anything yeah. to you, which is for me, Jesus is the prime example of that, that even his disciples left him when he went to the cross, he went alone and it wasn't something he wanted to do. The scriptures right. show that you know, he, he pled to God. If there's any other way to do this, please let, let's do it another way. But if not, then let your will be done. Right. And knowing that that was his mission, he still carried it out. Right. So, I mean, kind of just briefly, what, I mean, what are your thoughts on how, how, what are you doing in your own life? And what are you encouraging? What would you encourage other men to do during this time to start preparing for what's coming? Well, yeah, I would, uh, one, uh, pursue a family and pursue women from the standpoint of a family. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't win them over with your ween and your skills in bed and then be like, I'm thinking about a family. No, you have to be serious because women follow men. So the reason women are so led toward women or led toward frail men is because they're not seeing any other options. And uh, so you have to stop being afraid of this idea that going toward a family and being very clear with women about what you want from them. I mean, they love it when uh, there's love and you say, I want to put babies inside of you. Like that, that's the best thing uh, that you can say. I mean, like <laughs> when you, when you have that love, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you're, when that's your commitment and your goal, because that's what, um, then they can relate to you as a man. And then they know how to relate to themselves being your partner in it. And mm-hmm. uh, it gives them, gives you your purpose and them their purpose. And not to say it's not just their purpose to, to have a baby. It's their purpose to literally grow and raise good people. It's mm-hmm. the biggest, it's almost the biggest uh, responsibility. And so mm-hmm. this whole, and, and having men, this is another point, point with men is don't, even if you can't confront some women who might be like, you, you know, I don't want to tell a woman what a role is. It's like, no, you're going to have to fight back on that. You're going to yeah. have to stand up and say, no, women are very important in how they, and they raise people. Our, mm-hmm. our entire society is, is reliant on a woman raising a good home of people, human mm-hmm. beings. Like they are the, the source there in that right. respect. And that, that unity and stability is a, is a co-production with the, with the father and the mother. Um, and, uh, and that's something men have to argue for themselves because them arguing that for the woman is an argument for their own role in the family as the man. And mm-hmm. those two uh, go hand in hand and those roles are clear. Um, and that you're led by something larger than yourself. I, I made this point yesterday. It was that, you know, when you say a man lead, you know, leads, you know, a woman, a man leads the woman. Um, the woman will say, you know, that's wrong. But the reality is a man doesn't lead himself either. Mm-hmm. Oh. 
And that's why faith is important is to know. And when a woman sees that distinction, I, I think that uh, that helps a lot uh, end that socially constructed nonsense narrative of like equality, like, no, it's not equality. You know why? Mm. Because in the end, I'm stronger. I, I'm going to have to use my force when it really comes down to it. Um, you're going to get thrown around. Just look at the police videos of female cops just getting tossed. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a difference and there's a reason there's a difference. And so, yeah, pursuing masculinity, you have to, you have to have conviction and not pussy out, you know, in in the pursuit of winning the woman over. Cause guess what? You're not winning the woman over. Mm -hmm. She doesn't want to see the pussy pussified version of you who apologizes for assuming that uh, you want to be the leader in the family. Mm-hmm. If she doesn't think you want to, if she doesn't agree with you being the leader in the family, you, that's not the person for you. Right. You know, if you want what we're talking about. So I think that's a big part of masculinity and, and just stepping up to the plate, you know, mm-hmm. you know, just being the provider, not, you know, just doing it, showing what masculinity is. Don't, you, you don't need to argue online what masculinity is. You just, right. you have to show it in your life. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of that also is saying what you have to say. I mean, that's something I had to deal with. I come from a soft and uh, feminized side of myself from Hollywood and just, you know, passive and, you know, you know, leading by everyone liking me versus like saying what I actually think. And I had to actually develop the muscle of saying what I think yeah. and having to deal with the consequences and the repercussions of saying what I believe. And uh, masculinity is really saying clearly uh what you believe to be true and good um and then uh also your discipline you know Mm -hmm. uh quitting your vices whether it's pornography or drinking like anything that you have a sense uh is out of your control Mm -hmm. mastering discipline is inextricably tied to your pursuit toward responsibility and uh, fruitfulness because you can't, if you can't, if you can't control those things and master that, it's almost like the new um, right to passage for men. It's like, what's the vice? Mm, What's the thing that you can't actually get over and consider that if you can't, if you can't win that battle, what makes you think you're going to get the land? What mm-hmm. makes you think you're going to get the woman? Right. Why would you get the woman? Mm-hmm. You know, why would you get the family? Yeah. If you didn't master that, and why, you know what I mean? And, and why would you, why go to, why go complain to Charlie Kirk that the country isn't white enough? If you can't, if you're just going to go home and, you know, take, do whatever you're going to do. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? If yeah. there's stuff you haven't managed yourself. So. I think that might be one of the most important because the things I said in the beginning are useless if you don't have that third element, which is just, you know, get control of your vices and Mm -hmm. understand them and acknowledge when they are, uh, they have your best, the best of you. And Mm -hmm. um, also be led by faith, by God. You're you're not the, you're not the God. Mm -hmm. And there's something extremely, um, alluring to women who know men or who lead um who are led by god mm-hmm. you know you would think it's the other way around but it's really not yeah you know they love that uh the dignity and the vulnerability and the humility that comes with that 
uh, faith. Right. So, um, so yeah, that's all I would say about that. Speak your mind, say it, say what you believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, know the truth. Like you said, appeal to God, God's your direction. He, what, we know that to be truth and that's what we stand for. That's where our conviction comes from. Speak the truth, regardless right. of what you face for it, the backlash you'll get from it. I mean, Jesus was crucified. So right. take it to that. It has to be taken to that extreme. Like, would you really right. die or because to, to even just to be liked and to have peace with everyone, it's a very feminine thing. Like girls yeah. will sit in a circle and talk to each other and try to keep the peace. Right. Whereas men, like we can go to blows and punch each other in the face. And if we disagree and then have a beer afterwards, exactly. it's a very masculine thing. It's like, and it's, when it's fine. And we would truly like each other afterwards. Yeah. And, but I like the way you phrase that, that you're not going to get the woman. You're not going to get the family because those things are rewards. And it's almost like the spoil of war from overcoming that battle within yourself. Like you right. said, conquer those vices and you do have to conquer those vices and have yourself in check. If you can't lead yourself, how are you going to lead a family? Right. How are you going to lead your wife? Right. And I think a lot of guys, you talk about these softer, more passive, you know, feminine men, they're happy to have say, Oh, we're equal. And I'm not the leader. Cause it relieves them of that burden. Cause once you are, you, you assume the burden responsibility of, I am going to lead my family. I am going to lead my wife. You got to stay sharp. Yeah. And you got to be at the top of your game all the time. And you can't slip up. Yeah. And you got to, you have to manage, you get to call yourself out when you are slipping up. Yeah. So it's a greater, it's a greater burden, but it's, it'll make you a better man. Right. And the man you want to be. Right. And the, the woman really doesn't want that, that, you to be the effeminate equal because Mm -hmm. what happens is they end up resenting you and then they end up trying to um adopt the masculine energy version Mm -hmm. so someone needs to be a masculine so they're like all right well someone's got to like you know be assertive right someone's got to say what's going on and where we're going someone's Mm got to stand up and say no we're not wearing the masks to that thing or we're you know whatever it is Mm -hmm. and it's like if they become the masculinity, they're not going to respect you. Right. So. And a lot of these guys, it seems like they're not, it's not like they're denying their masculine role and then helping fill in on her feminine role. They're usually not helping her at all. So she has to take on both roles and she resents him for basically being useless, which is a fair critique because you are being useless. And as a man, you just, you can't do that. No. So. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, and the but, other thing is safety. Uh, that's one other important mm-hmm. aspect is that yeah. they're not going to feel safe. That's right. a, actually a big aspect. It's not mm-hmm. just protect. It's it's protection. It's like, uh, yeah, they'll feel comfortable watching, you know, you know, some HBO girls with you or whatever. You know, they'll, <laughs> you know, uh, I love that character. Um, but they won't feel. They won't feel. Uh, you know, they won't feel sharp like. Uh, protected around you for other things you know when shit hits the fan you're both got the glassy female thing in your eye where you're like which which neighbor which male neighbor has a gun we, we have to go who has the water like you know what i mean like they have to feel safe and that you're going to die for them mm-hmm. and and murder someone for them in a way right yeah maturely uh, you know, so that is once, you know, they won't, they don't want your babies if you're not that way. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to have some element of that at least um, for them to be like, okay, I'll have your baby. Cause you'll, you'll uh, step in, you're going somewhere and you'll step in, you'll provide and you'll cool. You learn mm-hmm. how to shoot, you know, how to shoot a gun. Oh, sweet. And I don't have to mommy you so that you wake up in the morning, go to your job and provide or right. 
you right. the bear comes to the door i don't have right. to urge you to hey go protect us you know exactly. what to do because you're a man you, you right. need a woman to your your wife to tell you what to do it's right. like, mommy where do i go what do i do <laughs> what yeah. clothes do i wear today it's like no exactly. you're a grown-ass man act like one <laughs> exactly all right well i think we'll wrap up there jim bob this is a great oh, episode also I, have, oh, I was uh, gonna say give it give yourself a plug man Savage Memes Volume 2 is only 1,000. There's probably about 400 left uh, that are available still. Um, if you hear this, uh, use Liberty code for free shipping. That's um, And then I do ship anywhere in the world, but that's not a free uh, shipping code. So okay. Savage Memes Volume 2, um, limited edition. I, I Volume 1's gone. I'm never producing it again. And this when this is gone, I won't be doing it again either. So that's how okay. I roll. And where can people go to order? Uh, madebyjimbob.com. Okay. And again, if you're in the U.S., use Liberty for free shipping. Awesome. And if you guys haven't checked them out on Instagram yet, go to at madebyjimbob. Fantastic satirical cartoon channel. Jim Bob, thanks so much again for coming on. Really appreciated it. Really enjoyed this talk. And, awesome uh, conversation. Yeah, I really enjoyed it too. Yeah. Well, best of luck, man. Cool, man. Thanks, Joe. Take care. Yeah. All right, everybody. That's going to do it for today's episode. If you guys have not checked out Jim Bob on Instagram yet, head over to at MadeByJimBob. You can also check out his website, MadeByJimBob.com, where you can order his newest book, Savage Memes Volume 2. That's a limited run, so once they are sold out, they are sold out. He did that with Volume 1, so that's how he rolls. Get your order in as soon as possible. Hilarious cartoons. If you guys can also check out his, or have the chance to check out his Instagram lives, he goes live 1.30 p.m. Mountain Time, I believe Monday through Friday. Check those out if you can. Really interesting conversations. Real funny guy. He also has some episodes with Jay Dyer on YouTube. Uh, Jay Dyer's name, J-A-Y-D-Y-E-R. Check that out. Really interesting uh, conversations about philosophy, especially from a theistic standpoint. Really enjoyed those. And if that interests you at all, check it out. That's going to do it for me today, though, guys. I hope you guys enjoyed. If you did, head over to uh, iTunes, leave us a review, whatever the streaming service you use. Uh, Also, head over to Instagram. You can catch me at ja.ornelis. Ornelas is O-R-N-E-L-A-S. Feel free to leave a comment in the episode there. Let us know what you get. Let us know what you guys think. And yeah, that'll do it for me. You guys have a good one.